It's the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. Coming in three, two, one. Astronomy Cast, episode 576, our summer stargazing special. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane, publisher of Universe Today. With me, as always, is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser? Good. So this is the final episode of Astronomy Cast. Although I'm hoping... Until our- until our week, I, I got I got to finish what I was going to say. Otherwise, okay. people will panic. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, our final episode of Astronomy Cast for our summer hiatus until we're back for... on in September. Yeah. So uh, this is this is the summer break that we take every summer uh, for two months. Okay. What were you going to say? I, I'm hoping that I will be able to get us together during the Cosmo Quest Acon mm. in July. And uh, so, folks, if you're trying to figure out what to do this summer to get your astronomy fix, we are over at CosmoQuest hosting two and a half days of panels, performances, and science and creative awesome. So go check it out. It's linked to on CosmoQuest.org. This is our CosmoQuesticon. We have, we have Dennis Taylor, the author of the Bobiverse books. We That's have, awesome. We have so many cool people, our guests of honor. We have Amy Davis-Roth is the artist guest of honor. She's going to be painting a telescope that will be up for auction. We have Dr. Aaron McDonald, who is the science advisor for Star Trek Discovery. She is going to be our uh, SciComm guest of honor, and Scott Manley is our gamer guest of honor. Right on. Oh, man. Scott Scott is a one-man party. You just really point is. the camera at Scott Manley, and then you guys can all just take a break for an hour and then come back and, and your audience will be entertained. Yeah, it's, he's, uh, he's, he's so great to have as a guest. I've done a couple of live streams with him, and he's just he's so much fun. And then uh, uh, Dennis Taylor, of course, from the Bobiverse, which is great because you were the one that told me about the Bobiverse books. I read them, loved them tracked down the author, did an interview, and then you guys were able to get him as a guest on the show, which is so terrific. It and all feeds in. He's local, too. He lives in my neighborhood. That's just, awesome. Yeah, just lives in, on, in Vancouver. Uh, so just to, just to clarify exactly what's going to happen, of course, uh, this is the last, like I said, the last episode of, of Astronomy Cast before the summer hiatus. We've got the last episode of the Virtual Star Party coming up on Sunday. Of course, if you're listening to this via podcast methods, it will have already happened, but you can watch it afterwards. Um, one last episode of My Open Space, which is going to be on Monday. One last episode of the Weekly Space Hangout, which is going to be on Wednesday. I'm not sure which of your things go on hiatus and which things remain. We're, um, we're going to be taking the week after 4th of July off for daily space, yep. but we'll otherwise be continuing perhaps on a shortened schedule for the rest of the summer. Yeah. Um, but your guide to space will keep coming as well. Yeah, of course. So we'll, I st- I'm still going to be doing the guide to space on YouTube. I'm still going to be doing my question shows. Uh, I, I will probably be doing random telescope streams on either Twitch or YouTube, either for interesting events that happen or for 
technology or methodologies that we're trying to test out. So again, uh, we will not be gone. We will just be not live streaming with the same level of regularity and, uh, and hopefully taking a little bit of a break as well. It's important. You should, we should all do this. You, you go work so hard all the time and you forget that you do need that downtime as well to replenish your energy and to make you excited about the projects that you're working on. And it's vital. So consider taking a hiatus as well. Anyway, let's get into the show. It's time once again for Astronomy Cast to go on hiatus. You've got a couple of months on your own to explore the night sky. But before we say goodbye, we'd like to make a few suggestions. And I think it's important that we are going to have a totally northern hemisphere perspective here. Uh, we're sorry. We're sorry, but we just we just live in the northern. Summer is the warm time in our minds. July, August, that's when the heat arrives for the folks in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, South America. We understand that that these recommendations will not be quite as relevant, but we'll try to make the distinction about what things you can enjoy as well. Um, with your longer nights. With your longer nights, yeah. Many of the objects, you see the same things, but it's just, it's colder. <laughs> it's, not the, it's, not, it's not as much fun to go outside and hang out. What can people see this summer? Well, I, I think the most important thing to go out and try and do is just observe our Milky Way. Find yourself a hammock, a lawn chair, some way to just lie back and relax. Use your binoculars, borrow someone else's binoculars if you don't have any. And just explore that band of light that goes through dark skies. The uh, Summer Triangle, which is Altair, Vega, and Deneb, really will help you find, well, one of the cooler regions. Uh, that Summer Triangle, uh, well, we have the Ring Nebula not too far away from Vega. Cygnus is home of Alberio, which is one of the coolest double stars in the sky with one extremely red star and one extremely blue star that become visible with magnification. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Just just explore as a yeah. starting point. Make no plans except <laughs> to figure out where the Milky Way is. And just scan along it, along it, looking for faint fuzzies. And and this is, I mean, it, for, for you, I'm not sure how good of a Milky Way view you have there. I have a very good view to the sky, but I still, it's worth heading out of town to get away from the light pollution, to get to those truly dark skies. And I know for a lot of people, you look at the dark sky maps for the folks on the East Coast, and it's it's a nightmare. There's yeah. you you will have to go, but if but this is the kind of event that that if you have not experienced the Milky Way with your own eyes, or if you have not, uh, and you're looking for something to do this summer, it's a perfect like socially distanced activity because you can. Take your family, hop in the car, plan an evening where you drive out. Maybe you're going to take a couple of hours. But anywhere on the East Coast, you can get to dark skies within a couple of hours. Even from the core of New York City, if you're able to to drive, there's some forests that are a couple of hours away where you can see the Milky Way, no problem. And just go plan a night of it. Leave a little late. Let people sleep in the car while you drive out there, and so you can arrive at like in the evening. 
um, and get a beautiful view of the, of the night sky or set up early and then everyone let everyone pass out and then have an alarm clock go off at like one in the morning and get everybody up to be able to see it. Um, but you should do this and it's, there's no reason not to. Camping is somewhat safe. Yeah. Yeah. Outside away from other people. Yeah. It's, it's the restrooms you have to worry about. But campgrounds are open, and some of the primitive campgrounds are about as safe as you can get because you're away from everything except for the raccoons. Always hang your garbage up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, or leave it in the car. Um, but yeah, I think that, that is great. And so what are, the, what are the ways that people can get the most out of the Milky Way? Honestly, the best thing that you can do is start out where you know where you are on the sky. This is where using the summer triangle and the extremely bright star Vega as a starting point can be a great way to get yourself oriented. Find that bright Vega, use it to figure out where Deneb is for Cygnus the Swan, use it to find Altair for Aquila. Once you're oriented, stick your binoculars in the middle and scan And every time you find something faint and fuzzy, pause and then either use your phone or a finding chart to figure out what amazing nebula it is you've found this time. This is the cool thing about just streaming through with your binoculars is you're just going to keep finding nebula, star cluster, nebula, star cluster, one after another. Yeah, um, it is, it is uh, globular star cluster season. So you can see uh, in Hercules, there's a couple, there's a bunch all scattered around it because we're seeing them above and below the disk of the Milky Way. And so when we're able to start seeing the core of the Milky Way, these are all starting to rise up in the sky as well. So again, so Milky Way. And again, if you have not seen that, knock that off your list. This is your chance this summer, best time. And Sagittarius and the heart of our galaxy is up in the evening for part of the summer. So it's perfectly timed for the family. And and this gives you a chance to say, I am looking at a supermassive black hole right now. <laughs> you, you can't see it. You can't see it. It's black hole. But you're looking in the correct direction. and And so that's just one of those... Moments of finding your place in the universe of I am standing here on this planet, looking at the heart of my galaxy. And in that direction, there's a supermassive black hole. When I was in Australia in July, so I guess it was around that time and it was their winter, but it was still very warm because I was fairly far north. Uh, you could see the core of the Milky Way just passing directly overhead. Absolutely stunning. And then because where I was, the skies were so dark, you could see those nebulae, just these little faint reddish patches in the sky when you looked with binoculars or when you took a picture with your with your camera you got to see what we we always see is these gigantic nebulae that's been taken through a telescope but it's amazing to put those into perspective when you take just a whole picture of of the sky you can see where all these little objects are and they're all in that core of the milky way and and the the classic uh, constellation is Sagittarius. And once you learn to find Sagittarius, once you learn that teapot, you'll always be able to find it. In fact, you'll see it in photographs. I've, every time I see a photograph of the Milky Way, I can see the teapot 
I know where they I know where they pointed it. And if you want to get started right now, while while Sagittarius will be up in the evening at the end of summer. Right now you have to get up early in the morning, but it's worth it because Jupiter and Saturn and Sagittarius are all up in the south right now in the pre-dawn hours. So let's let's talk about the planets then. So we have Jupiter is coming into opposition, which means it's going to be opposite from the sun relative to the earth in the sky in July, meaning it's going to be up pretty much the entire Mm -hmm. night. Saturn is nearby, trailing it slightly to the west. And this is just a great chance to get out. And and Mars is a few fields away. They aren't all lined up together. Um, But... But Mars is going to be the third of the brightest planets in the morning sky this month. And, and so get up early in the morning and you've, you've got a trio of the cool three, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. And you can actually make out features on all of these if you have yeah. a small telescope. Already, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we always recommend that, that you can see Jupiter in a small telescope. You can see the moons. You can see the bands across the planet. You can see the the great red spot with Saturn. Obviously, you can see the rings, no problem. With Mars, you can see the polar ice caps. And if you've got a better telescope, you can start to see some of the the darker features on the surface of Mars itself. It's a and and we're nearing that window when <clears throat> when spacecraft are sent to Mars. Uh, that that's. I think the the Perseverance rover is going to be going to Mars in July. July 22nd is its current planned launch date. So this is another thing that doesn't quite fall under stargazing, but is a summer space event to look forward to. This is the one big science launch we're going to get this summer. And um, the window is long if it gets delayed a little bit because it is hurricane season after all. (laughs) We're fine. It's got time. And uh, so as, as long as it gets up before the end of August, we're good. That's amazing. Yeah. So you've got, <clears throat> you've got the planets and, and some of the less visible planets. I learned this on the weekly space hangout this week from Pam Hoffman. There's going to be a Jupiter-Pluto conjunction coming up in a couple of weeks. That's wild. And so a conjunction is when two planets are close together in the sky. And generally, Pluto is a really tough planet to be able to see because you don't know where it is. It's just a dot. I called it a planet. Oh, poor Pluto. Um, uh, But in this case, if you have Jupiter nearby as a reference point, then you can compare and figure out where the the two are, and they'll be relatively close together. So if you want to take a really extreme planet hunting challenge, you can find Pluto. And Neptune's out there, and Neptune Mm -hmm. is completely visible, and it's not too far in the sky, I believe away from Mars. Let me double-check that while we chat. And then Venus is coming up as an object in the morning sky, and even Mercury is up. So this is going to be a great summer for being able to see all of the planets, pretty much, and Pluto. (laughs) I'm not sure where Uranus is. And, but, and Neptune is currently a morning object near Mars. Yeah, and, so there you and go. So, and you can see yeah. Neptune. It's, it's right within the field of view of binoculars as this pale blue dot. And 
to imagine that it took so long to find it and now it's something that we can casually look at in our backyard is pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, set yourself the challenge this summer, visually spot Venus, Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, binocularly go after uh, Neptune. Again, I'm not sure where Uranus is. I should check my Stellarium. Um, and then telescopically see if you can go after Pluto. And don't forget, as we said, explore Sagittarius, explore the, the Milky Way. And if you're trying to do the, okay, so, so when do I want to go do this? Well, August is your answer. Um, do you know why, Fraser? Perseids. Perseids. And, and the Perseids uh, this year are going to be cursed with a third quarter moon, unfortunately. Um, so it's, it's not as ideal as it could be without that moon in the early morning hours. Um, around August 12th, you'd be seeing uh, meteor after meteor with roughly one per minute. Um, it's unclear exactly how many will be seen because of that moon. But just go out early when the moon is still low in the horizon or even before it's even come up and uh, take a look. The the Perseids are called that because the meteors will appear to radiate away mm -hmm. from the constellation Perseus. But, you know, there's actually meteors any night you go out. So really, just go out, look up, you'll see meteors. It's cool. Yeah, the and the the Perseids are are a pretty good meteor shower. They're not the best meteor shower, but they are the most civilized for the northern <laughs> hemisphere. They're the one that you can enjoy in the warmth of the summer. And so you can go out in your shorts and t-shirt, lie back, watch the sky and catch meteors. But as you said, you can see meteors any night, but you see more during these meteor showers. Um and and it's just like another thing to be able to see, which is great. And, and normally we would tell you to go out and find an astronomy club and check out a whole bunch of telescopes because you don't need your own. Yeah. But not this maybe summer. not this year. <laughs> yeah. Maybe next year. But there's a bunch of telescopes online. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone that doesn't want to risk leaving your house, doesn't want to risk traveling anywhere to get dark skies... Look at, well, Fraser has the virtual star party that he does. There's the good folks at SLU. Oceanside Photo and Telescope has been streaming. Like crazy, um, yep. Yeah, so there's all of these opportunities you have to get to know the summer sky. Twitch actually has a lot of people doing some live streams. Uh, I, I think I know of like probably four or five people that do regular live streams with their telescope to be able to show you the night sky. And, and there's a Discord that we'll link to in our show notes where a lot of these folks are starting to get together. Uh, this is being organized in part by Bill Nash and Dustin Gibson. And so instead of going out and looking through eyepieces the way we'd normally recommend, go out and look through webcams. Right. It's a way of hanging out and enjoying the sky together. And so for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere seeing satellites, it's a great time to be able to see satellites because they are well-positioned, illuminated for a large part of their, 
of their path across the across the sky. Especially for here in Canada, we can often see two passes of the International Space Station, ninety minutes apart, visible for the entire pass. So we'll watch the International Space Station go overhead, come back out ninety minutes later, and watch it do the whole thing again. Um, and also, like I think today when we're filming this, uh, there's going to be another Starlink launch, and of course, it's delayed. Oh, has it been delayed? Okay. Yeah. But but in general, after the Starlink launches, and they're, they're, they're going to be going up every couple of weeks, so you'll have lots of opportunities over the summer, you can find out from places like Heavens Above when there's going to be a Starlink pass. And it's pretty great to see this train of 60 satellites that are either visible or binocular visible just pass across in one big line it's very surreal it feels like you're looking at ufos or something and then over time they they drift farther and farther apart and they move up to their final altitudes and but in right after that launch try to time going outside with being able to watch a starlink trail pass over over where you are it's really surreal yeah really surreal this this perfectly straight line of moving dots in formation going across the sky. I've I've never imagined something that would look quite like this. And while it's cool to see one, we're hoping that we never get more than one train at a time up there. Yeah. Um, but while we have this, go check it out. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what else can people see this summer? Those, those are really the big things that you don't need a telescope for. Now... If you're willing to get that telescope, get that particularly amazing pair of binoculars, this is where you should start trying to dig into the Messier catalog. Uh, highlights of the summer, Hercules cluster, M13, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, some people call it the chrysanthemum cluster. There's that ring nebula, just two binocular fields away from Vega. Uh, there's also, again, summer triangle. It's, it's rich hunting people. Yeah. There's the dumbbell nebula. And this really is the time to get to know so many objects. Um, my favorites that start coming up early, early in the morning, we get Andromeda. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of like low-picking fruit. Everyone loves Andromeda. But now you know. It's early in the morning. Apparently everything cool is early in the morning right now. <laughs> that, but that's always the experience that you have because it's been a year since you've seen these things. And so you're desperate f- to be able to to see the Orion Nebula again. And then it starts to show up in the morning and you get up so that you can actually see it. And then it, then it moves every night. It comes a little early and a little early until it's just – there's Orion in the evening sky in December. And and one of my favorite random astronomy factoids is those dog days of summer that I remember hearing about on lemonade commercials as a little kid. That dog days of summer is referring to the star Sirius. And the the two dog constellations, Canis Major and Canis Minor, that accompany Orion in August, Cirrus rises right before the sun, and it was thought that the extra light from Cirrus was what contributed to August being such a <laughs> northern hemisphere miserable month. Right. And so it's the dog days of summer because of Canis Major and Canis Minor. Yeah. 
Uh, so you're talking about getting binoculars. There are a bunch of comets that you can see in the sky this summer. Um, we've got a couple of articles. Dave Dickinson has been writing a bunch of stuff on on Universe Today. The one uh, there's a new one, E6 Lemon, I think. Um, but we're going to have a whole bunch of opportunities to see various comets coming and going over the summer. But through uh, July, this one specific comet should get bright enough that you can actually see um, it with the unaided eye and definitely in a pair of binoculars. So we've got uh, T2 Pan Stars, C19Y1, C19Y4 Atlas, 2020. Uh, F8 Swan and U6 Lemon and probably more will will show up over the course of the summer. And of course, we'll keep you posted from Universe Today. And I, I for one, have to admit, I've gotten somewhat jaded about comets this year <laughs> so that I didn't even look up what comets were going to be up this summer. But this is why we need Universe Today to keep us up to date on what's hopefully going to actually make it here. But this is my fancy way of saying never count a comet until it's in your eyepiece. That's right. Uh, we've got – we just had a an annular eclipse and in just about a week and a half, there's going to be a penumbral lunar eclipse. So Which the, means it's going to be really hard to tell there's anything yeah, special going yeah. on. It's like someone just adjusted the contrast on the moon. They are almost worthless. I wouldn't I won't even try to see it. But it's happening. True story. So if you wanna if you it's been a long time since you've seen a lunar eclipse and you wanna have that lunar eclipse if if you want to test your ability, your eyesight, see if you can see the moon get any darker at all. Well the moon is slightly easier to photograph because it's less um, contrast against the night sky. The moon is super hard to photograph. Just repeat advice from last week. If you want to learn how to photograph the moon, summer is when to do it. Practice on a bright sky and get better as the sky gets darker and darker against the moon. Normally, when it comes to summer, it's actually also a great time to observe the sun. But the problem is the sun is at the lowest point of its 11-year cycle. And so there is nothing happening on the sun. Uh, there have been no sunspots. There have been very few coronal mass ejections, very few flares, very few activities that hit us here on Earth thanks to the sun. So there haven't been very many auroras. So normally what I recommend you do, and maybe if you're going to listen to this some other year, is sign up for some kind of Aurora alert service and just just Google search that and you'll find a service that will tell you that will send you an email when there's going to be visible auroras from your location. And my Aurora app has been silent for months. I think it's been like 5 months since I've even heard a peep out of my Aurora app. There's been nothing to see. And so don't get your hopes up that there's going to be anything to see this summer. It's going to be very Most quiet. Yeah. Boring sun ever. Yeah. So I I guess if if 2020 really didn't need to add any more excitement, we're yeah. already covered, so it gave us a boring sun. I could have used boring somewhere else, but boring sun is what we got. Well, I think uh, we've given you a bunch of suggestions on things to do. 
I know we every summer we beg you to make an event of it. Go out, take your friends, family, go somewhere dark, see the sky, especially you live if you live in a place that has a bad view to the night sky normally. Go and enjoy the heavens in the way they were meant to be seen without light pollution. Camping is awesome. That's and hammock tents, people. <laughs> hammock tents. Yeah, flew on a hammock, seeing the sky. That's the best. All right, Pamela, do you have some names before we go? I do. As always, we are here. Thanks to the generous contributions we receive over on patreon.com slash astronomy cast. Thank you so much for everything you do that allows us to do everything that we do. I would like to thank William Andrews, Jeff Collins, Arctic Fox, Brian Peacock, Merrick Vederny, Nate Detweiler, Matt Rutger, Ron Thorson, Philip Walker, Brian Gregory, Kevin Nitka, Elad Avron, Dave Lackey, Roland Warmerdom, uh, Paul Disney Cooper, Chris Scherhofer, GeForce 184, Karthik Vent I'm sorry, Scott Bieber, uh, Sarah Turnbull, Jillian Rhodes, Father Prax, Donald Mundus, Andrew Stevenson, Bart Flaherty, Antasaur, Jason Graham, Dana Nori, Dean McDonald, Martin Dawson, Kenneth Ryan, Russell Petto, Benjamin Davies, and Smansky. Thank you all so much for everything you do for us. And thanks, Pamela. Uh, it, as always, it's been an honor uh, to, to do this show with you. Had a great time. It was a great season. And I hope you have a wonderful summer. I'm sure we're going to be in touch regularly, especially with your various upcoming events. And we will see all of you in September. Have a fabulous summer. Astronomy Cast is a teenager, people. We're a teenager. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. You are listening to the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. The 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is produced by the Planetary Science Institute. Audio post-production by Richard Drum. Bandwidth donated by Libsyn.com and Wizard Media. You may reproduce and distribute this audio for non-commercial purposes. This show is made possible thanks to the generous donations of people like you. Please consider supporting our show on Patreon.com forward slash 365 Days of Astronomy and get access to bonus content. After 10 years, the three. 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is entering its second decade of sharing important milestones in space exploration and astronomy discoveries. Join us and share your story. Until tomorrow, goodbye. Goodbye.